praise God. I want you to turn to your neighbor and, and tell your neighbor and say, what God cannot do does not exist. You know, I think that's one of the best slogans that has been, that's been going on recently and it's amazing. What God cannot do does not exist. First of all, I want to thank the pastor for this opportunity. Um, Happy New Church is always, always going to be home. Um, I'm always excited when I come here. I want to thank Jenny for taking care of Atara all this while when I travel and I'm not around. Um, so um, I have 40, well, I had 40 minutes, I have 34 minutes, so I'll try and, and be as fast as I can. So today we are going to be talking about something we um, take for granted. Um, something, well, in Nigeria, we know, we know what it's like not to take it for granted, but I mean generally, we're going to talk about light. Um, Pastor Paul told me that this month is our month of upliftment, and we're talking about four, um, four key um, topics concerning upliftment. Okay, so today we're going to be talking about light. And um, I say we take it for granted because um, we, we tend to always assume that the sun will rise up in the morning. We tend to always assume that no matter how dark it is at night, the moon is there. You know, until, until we get to a place where um, it's a moonless time, then we say, wow, it's really dark. So um, our text is from John 1, verse 1 to 10. I'll read from here. I'm reading from the um, International Standard Version. It says, In the beginning, the world existed. The world was with God. The world was God. He existed in the beginning with God. Through him, all things were made. And apart from him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life brought light to humanity. And the light shines on in the darkness, and the darkness has never put it out. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify about the light, so that all might believe because of him. John was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. This was a true light that enlightens every person by his coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not recognize him. And so when I, when I was thinking about light, I must confess it wasn't very easy to, um, to prepare a sermon on light because, you know, Light is very vast, you know. But I went back to the original. Um, I think this is the original Greek um, word for light, and it's from from um, phos, as P H O S, and it had a, a lot of meanings. But um, one I'm, I'm going to pick is that it talks about truth, knowledge, together with spiritual purity, associated with it, or the power of understanding, especially moral and spiritual truth. I'll go over that. So light, when the Bible says that in him was life and the life was the light of men, one of the definitions of light, according to the original um, Greek, was truth and knowledge, together with the spiritual purity associated with it, or the power of understanding, especially moral and spiritual truth. And so when we talk about what is light, we try and define light. And we say um, light is a natural agent that makes sight possible or things visible. In other words, if there is no light, you cannot see. And even when it is dark, what enables you to see the chair is because there is a little light. To be honest, we have never been in a situation where there is no light at all. Because if there is no light at all, you cannot even see your fingers. Okay? And so, we cannot talk about light without talking about darkness. Because when you try and look up the definition of darkness, darkness itself is not a thing. Darkness is the absence of light. So light is a reference point to define darkness. Now, the only reason why I would say this room is dark is because there is no light. I cannot say the room is dark and there is light. It doesn't make much sense. So, 
I'm, I'm just trying to build a backdrop to what I want to talk about today. So, darkness, like I said, darkness cannot be defined on its own. Darkness is the absence of light. So, when, when the Bible talks about light, what does light refer to? One, light refers to the Word of God. Psalm 119 verse 105. Um, we're going to be running through well, a relatively lot of scriptures today. But um, I'll try and um, take it one after the other. So Psalm 119 verse 105. If you're there, say praise the Lord. Okay, so it says, Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. Now, it was equating God's word as the ability to bring light, to bring visibility to um, your walk, your path. And then in Psalm 119 verse 130, it says there, it says, the disclosure of your word illuminates, providing understanding to the symbol. Again, it's equating God's word as something that has the ability to bring light, something that has the ability to illuminate, something that is light itself. And then, um, we're going to go down to 2 Corinthians 4 verse 4. Now, 2 Corinthians 4 verse 4, this was Paul talking um, about the gospel, which is the word of God, which is the good news. And he says, there are case, talking about the unbelievers, the God of this world has blinded the minds of those who do not believe. So keep them from seeing the light of the glorious gospel of the Messiah, who is the image of God. Now, another thing life refers to from the scriptures is Christ. In fact, Jesus refers to himself as being the light of the world. And he said, you know, as long as he's in the world, he's the light of the world. So we'll see that in um, Luke, 2, Luke um, John 9 verse 5. John chapter 9 verse 5. If you're there, say praise the Lord. Are we there? John chapter 9 verse 5. Okay, it says, as long as I am in the world... I am the light of the world. Luke, um, John 8 verse 12. John 8 verse 12. Okay. Then Jesus spoke to them again. I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So we talked about the word of God being referred to as, as light. We talked about Christ himself being referred to as light. And by extension, the life of Christ being referred to as light. And then, Another um, thing, another person or another um, entity the Bible refers to as light is the believer. Um, we're going to look at Ephesians 5 from verse 8 to 9. Ephesians 5 from verse 8 to 9. Ephesians 5 from verse 8 to 9 says, For you were once in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. You know, so we can say that light begets light. Light gives birth to light. Um, Christ is light and Christ gave birth to us as light. And then um, light can also be referred to as God himself. That's 1 John 1 verse 5. 1 John 1 verse 5. Now this is the message we have heard from you and declared to you. God is light and there is absolutely no darkness in him. So the meat of this message will be what do we need to know about light. Now I've talked about um, what represents light in the scriptures. So I'm going to talk about light generally. One, light enables visibility. Um, if you're driving in the night and your headlamp is not working, it's difficult to see where you're going. And that's the reason why there's a law that says you cannot drive when your headlamp is not working. There's a higher chance of accidents. Because light enables you to see where you're going. 
if the house, if, they, they, if there's no light at night and the house is dark, you're likely to bump into your chairs. And that's the reason why you would put on your phone touch because you need to see. So light enables visibility. And when there is no light, in darkness, one stumbles. Now, when we relate that to our lives, what exactly is this light I'm talking about? When you walk with Christ, there is a certain purpose that comes into your life, a vision, your, your ability to, um, um, to do things in a way that, that is towards a particular goal, a purpose. Um, we have people say things like, okay, there are people that don't know what they're doing. Or, or for instance, um, they do one thing, they do it halfway, they go to the next, they do it halfway, and it's almost as though they're a little bit confused. Okay, what do you want to do with your life? Okay, today I want to learn how to sew, the start, and then, okay, tomorrow um, I want to go abroad, they go and, no, I've changed my mind, next tomorrow, you know, because for some reason, they don't have an endpoint inside, they don't, they don't have something that, or rather, how do I put it, when they say things, okay, let me make it, let me bring it back home. When they say things like, where do you see, do you see yourself in five years' time? What they're asking is, can you project? Can you, can you look ahead? Do you have a vision for where you're going? And light enables you to have that. Light, light enables you to have, to have a purpose to a direction of your life. And when there is no light, one is likely to stumble. Now, we'll, look, we'll see that in John 11 from verse 9 to 10. This was Jesus talking. Um, John 11 from verse 9 to 10. Jesus said, there are 12 hours in the day are in there. If anyone walks during the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of the world. Thank you. Because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks at night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. And this light also refers to God's word. When you know God's word, it's easy for you to make sense of what is happening in the world. It's easy for you to make sense of what is happening in your own life. It gives your life meaning. It gives your life a purpose, a direction when you um, know God's word. Proverbs 29 verse 19 says, without vision, that people perish for lack of vision. In other words, if there is no vision. If there is no, um, there is no um, light to let you know where you're going, there is disorderliness, there's anarchy. There are people running up and down and eating themselves. So, um, another way to view light causing visibility is the fact that when there is visibility, you're unlikely to be afraid. I think about when I was, when I was little, I was very scared of the dark. Very, very scared of the dark. So I wake up at night and I'll run to my father and he'll say to me, there is nothing to be afraid of. But his voice will not make me feel better. Because at night when it's dark, the cloth on the, on, on the wardrobe looks like a scary monster. Okay? When it's dark, your shoe looks like a big spider. You know, everything around you that is seemingly normal becomes really scary. And so what I would do was I would, I would leave the light on or I would, I would take the lantern and put it in my room and fall asleep. And sometimes what seems so scary becomes less scary when, when there's light. One of the stories that illustrates that very well is the story of Elisha and um, the um, attendant. So we're going to run through um, 2, Kings from verse, um, 2 Kings 6 from verse 8. We're going to run down to 18. Thank you. It says, when the king of Aram was waging war against Israel, he conferred with his servants, said, My camp will be as such and such a place. But the man of God sent word to the king of Israel, Be careful passing by this place, for the, for the, for the war is going down there. So we go down to 10. So it's consequently, the king of Israel sent word to the place the man of God had told him about. And the man of God repeatedly warned the king, so the king would be on his guard. The king of Aram was enraged because of this matter, and he called his servants and demanded to the, of them, Tell me, which one of us is for the king of Israel? 
And one of his servants said, No one, my Lord. Elisha, the prophet in Israel, tells the king of Israel even the words you speak. So the king said, Go and see where he is, so I can send men to capture him when he was told Elisha is in Dothan. He sent horses, chariots, and a massive army there. Let's move on to um, 16. And so, um, the, before this, Elisha's servant was afraid when he woke up and he saw the army. And Elisha said, Don't be afraid, for those who are with us are the number those who are with them. Then Elisha prayed, Lord, please open his eyes and let him see. The Lord opened the servant's eyes. He looked and saw, and the mountains was covered with horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Now, Elisha could warn the king because he could see. He could see what the king could not see. And so, the king was able to save his life because had somebody who could see and in addition to that Elisha was not afraid because he could see um if Elisha could not see the chariots around him he may have been worried he may be like his servant um his servant running up and down but he was calm in the midst of, of the circumstances because he knew that those that were with him were much more than those that were with them and so the question I'm going to ask you today is what do you see do you see your life in light of the way God sees you or do you see your life the way the world sees you? Um, are you somebody who, who, who gets your words or your vision or your ability or, or what you're seeing or what you're doing, going to do in, from social media or, or from TV or, or, from, or from soap operas? Or are you somebody who, who, who searches the scriptures and gets into God's word and begins to align yourself to what God's word says about you? So the next thing is light brings insight and discernment. I've talked about Psalm 119 verse 130 that says that um, light is ability, has the ability to transform a transform um, a, somebody who is not that smart okay, into somebody who is intelligent. But the Bible says that the entrance of light brings understanding to the simple. So, sometimes the room might be ordinary, you know, and then they, they put in some lights and all of a sudden the room is transformed to something amazing. That's what light does. Light has the ability to transform you. Light has the ability to to change the way you view things, the way you think, the way you reason. And people will start saying, it was this person I met two years ago who, who was not that smart, who was indisciplined, who didn't know what to do. This person I'm seeing here today is a completely different person. And another example of how light brings insight and discernment and intelligence is an example that Adijio shared one time when he was praying for his PhD, how he was trying to solve an equation and, you know, said he had tried and tried and tried and it wasn't making any sense. It was difficult. And then he said that, then the Lord reminded him about the, um, the Red Sea, how he parted the Red Sea. That's like light. That's Rema. That's, that's a word for the season. And because he got that word, he was able to, to solve an equation that he had not been able to solve. That's how light, intelligence, and light brings, um, and light brings um, insight. So, um, we're going to look at a set of persons that um, the light changed. We're going to look at Acts 6 from verse 9 to 10. Acts 6, from verse 9 to 10. Okay, then came, um, then some came from what is called the Freeman Synagogue, um, composed of both um, Cyrenians and Alexandras, and some came from Sicilia and Asia. Some um, came forward and disputed with Stephen, verse 10. But they were unable to stand up against the wisdom and the spirit by which he spoke. That's what light can do. Okay, then another thing that light does from the scriptures is that light can rub up on you. Um, the reason why we say, we tell people that you, how did the Bible put it, that um, the reason why we tell people that you need to be um, amongst like, like minds is because 
it has the ability to rub off on you. If you work with people that are intelligent and people that are disciplined, chances are that eventually you become disciplined and you become intelligent. If you work with people that, that have the regard for God, no matter how spiritual you are, eventually you begin to doubt your faith and eventually you begin not to have regard for God. If you work with people that are not virtuous, and so no matter how, um, how strong your value systems are, it's only a matter of time before they break down that wall. And the next thing, you begin to think about, it's not, experimental sex is no big deal. You know, the truth is, the kind of people you work with have a way of influencing you either positively or negatively. And so, it's the same thing in scriptures. Exodus 34 from verse 29 to 30 talks about Moses. The Bible says that Moses went up to the mountain and, you know, he had been with God for a while. And the Bible records that when Moses came down from the mountain, his face shone as a result of his speaking with the Lord and he was not aware of it. That's how light rubs up on you. Okay? And then, um, we're going to, um, 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18, you know, says that, you know, and we all with unveiled faces, you know, beholding the glory of the Lord, we're being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, that is from the Lord who is the Spirit. And so, the question I'm going to leave you with, I'm going to ask you again is, with whom have you been spending your time with? You know, when you begin to see some, some funny characters pop up in your life, and you begin to struggle with some things that you, you think you have overcome, you need to ask yourself these questions. What am I spending my time doing? Okay, what am I spending my time with? What am I discussing all the time? Why, why am I coming to this level that I have crossed before? Why, am I, why does it seem like I'm going back? What am I spending or who am I spending my time with? Um, finally, we're going to read um, Acts 4 verse 13. I finally contain this point. Acts 4 verse 13. And when they observed the boldness of Peter and John, and realized that they were uneducated and untrained men, they were amazed and knew that they had been with Jesus. You know, this changed them. Peter and John were fishermen, ordinary fishermen. And just because they had been with Jesus, something about them changed. Something about them turned around and the people noticed that something about them was different. So are people noticing that you are different? Have you been with Jesus enough? That wherever you go, people will say there's something about you. I can't I can place my finger on it. But you're just not the same person I used to know. Do you work, you know, in your classes, you got born again, school. Do people just, people say, this person is different. Do they come to you and say things like, you know, what has changed? You need to, because if, if you claim that you're being with Jesus and you're not changing, then something is wrong. It's either you have not been with Jesus or you're resisting the change that Jesus is bringing. This was the testimony of Peter and John. They had been with Jesus. They did not know they sounded different. But the people sat down and said, something is different about those people. And someone said, they had been with Jesus. That's how light rubs up on you, if you had been with light. Then light is limited in duration. John 9 from verse 4 to 5. John 9 from verse 4 to 5. John 9, okay, it says, We must do the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can walk. And then John 12 from verse 35 to 36. John 12 from verse 35 to 36. Jesus answered, The light will be with you only a little longer. Walk while you have the light so that darkness does not overtake you. The one who walks in darkness doesn't know where he's going. And when I was you know, thinking of this point of how limited um, the light is in duration, I realized that a lot of us don't... Um, don't think about how fragile life really is. You know, um, I think it was two weeks ago, a week ago, 
um, there's this colleague of ours that used to work with us that resigned um, some months back and we got the news that, that he died. He had a back, a back accident. He's 34. And everybody were like, you know, why? What happened? This is strange. The brain and chap. The doctor, what's going on? You know, and almost every week, um, I have to deal with different cases where one minute the person is here, the next minute the person is not. You know, one minute nurses are, I'm talking to the person, you know, when you're going to be fine, we're doing the best we can. And the next 12 hours, sometimes the next hour, they tell you the person was just, just went. And everybody starts running up and down. And what those things do to you is that they make you understand that life is fragile. And that um, we need to do the work of him that sent us now while it is there. You know, the question is, what has God asked you to do that you are putting up? It's, it's, you know, sometimes you say things like, I don't want to join the workforce now. I, I, I want to finish school. Um, um, there's always time. There's always time. And the reality is, there really isn't always time. Because this was Jesus making this statement, saying that there's light for a while, but the time is coming when there will not be light. So you've got to do that which you ought to do. Even Jesus said of himself, he said, I've got to do the work of him that sent me right now while it's day. Because even Jesus knew that his time was limited. That at some point he would he would transit, he would he would complete his purpose and he would leave. And so there was a sense of urgency to what Jesus was doing. Jesus did not spend his time, you know, playing and oh, Jesus knew had a purpose. He knew, okay, this is what I was going, this is what the Father is asking me to do, and I've got to do it now. So what have you got to do now? Do you have to to um, solve that 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 bitterness that's been in your heart for quite a while? That person you have said, I will never forgive. You have said Maybe when I'm 80 years, I'll forgive the person. Do you have 80 years? Or is it that relationship that you know you should walk away from and you're saying, let me enjoy it for another like six months. After that, I'll become born again. I'll be good. I won't do this. I won't do that. Do you actually have six months? You know, I tell my friends that time is an illusion. What exactly is time? Nobody knows how much time they have. Nobody knows um, what's going to happen tomorrow or next. But we do know that God has given us something to do and there is day right now and the time will come when night will come. And night comes in various ways. For some people, night comes when they die. Night comes when Jesus comes again, because Jesus is coming back again. For some people, night comes when, when they have a terrible diagnosis and, and, and they can't do the things they have to they can't, they want to do anymore. When they have stroke, or maybe they had always planned to be missionaries, and then they had stroke all of a sudden at 50, 60, and they think about all the, the years behind the way they could have actually done something with their lives. So, question I'm leaving from this from this part is. What is God asking you to do that you have been putting up? And then finally, this is where I'm going to dwell for the next um, 10 minutes. 1 John 4 verse 17 says, and this part is for those that are born again, that are believers. says, as he is, so are we in this world. Saying, this love is perfected with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment. For we are as he is in this world. Jesus is light in this world, so we are light. Now, Matthew 5 from verse 14 to 16. Matthew 5 from verse 14 to 16. You are the light of this world. The city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand and gives light for all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men so that they may good see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. What have you done with your light? The Bible says that nobody, I don't see anybody in their right mind who would, who would light, you know, light a candle or light a, a lantern and then put it under the bed and prepare to stay in darkness. 
And the Bible calls us light of this world. In other words, we are supposed to be, we're supposed to be giving the world visibility. We're supposed to be giving the world purpose. We're supposed to be giving the world meaning. Our lives are supposed to show everybody in the world how they ought to live. We're supposed to make people understand that they can't be different. We're supposed to be bringing intelligence, insight. We're supposed to do things in such a way that people will say, when it comes to this, this set of Christians, I have not seen somebody more disciplined than this set of Christians. I have not seen somebody who, who is as honest as this set of Christians. When people are thinking, okay, I need to, um, I need a financial secretary, I need somebody who will not steal my money, they would say, I know this person who can do this. When they are saying, okay, I, I need somebody who can invigilate, somebody who would not cheat in the exam, they would say, I know this person. You know, what are you doing with your life? When people are saying things like, okay, we need someone to, to volunteer, we need somebody who would, who would give and would not, would, not, would not be so concerned about their, their, own, their own needs, they can say, I know this person. What are people saying about you? Are you shining? Are you that light? Are you, are you reflecting God's glory? Or have you put your light under a basket? Because maybe you're afraid of what people would say. Maybe they would say, you're too churchy. Maybe they would say, you're forming goody two-shoes. Or maybe they would say, you're forming holier than thou. You know, have you begun to mix with everybody else? So I, I wrote here, I said, the reason why the world is so dark is because light is so little. And it's, it's funny because from the time, times of the apostles, Christians have increased in number. For some reason, the lights have reduced the number. So the question remains, what's happening to the light of Christians? Why is the world so dark? Why are we hearing all these crazy stuff happening? Are we just like everybody else? Because if you're complaining so much about the darkness, I think you need to ask yourself, are you portraying the light enough to dispel that darkness? Because if you're not, then you have no reason to complain about the darkness because you're part of the problem. If on social media, they cannot recognize you as being a Christian. If on, the, on, on Twitter, nobody is sure. If I, the, the, the day you post that your church is having a program, the first comment is, ah, you're a Christian. If, if that's the way it is, then you're part of the problem. Then it means that you have not come to an understanding that you're light. Even example, you know, the first time you stand up to preach in your class, People are like, ah, ah, that if you are going to heaven, it means that ah, we fast heaven. We are going to the upper heavens. Then, then there's a problem. There's a problem. Okay? So, when you have light, you become excellent. You become different. You become outstanding. You put in extra effort. You become very good in your class. Not because light automatically translates into excellence, but because you put in the needed work. Because you know that you're representing somebody. You wouldn't play as much because you know that, you know, it's not just you anymore. Failure is not. When people say things like you failed, you, you come to an understanding that it's not just you that failed. You are carrying Jesus. And so you're representing Jesus. So when, when people say things like, oh, you did certain things, you're thinking, how does that reflect on the person I'm carrying? That's why you're taking the extra effort to be diligent, to be excellent, um, to be outstanding. When you have light, your life acquires purpose and meaning. You do not stumble because your actions have a purpose. And so, the question is, what happens when you don't have light? Matthew 6, Matthew 6, 23 tells us what happens when you don't have light. It says, but if your eyes is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. And if the light within you is darkness, how deep is that darkness? And I think that's a problem with, with the church these days. The Bible says here that if the light you're supposed to have is darkness, then the darkness is really bad in it. Because 
you are supposed to reflect. And if all you are reflecting is darkness, you're adding to the darkness, you're making things worse, then the darkness is only by the way. So, um, Philippians 2 from verse 14 to 16. This is where I'm going to conclude. Philippians 2 from verse 14 to 16. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may be blameless and pure children of God who are faultless in a crooked and in a crooked generation among whom you shine like stars in the world. Hold firmly the message of life that I can boast in the day of Christ and I didn't want in vain or labor for nothing. The Bible says that so that men will do their good works and glorify their Father in heaven. And so, darkness could not comprehend light. The Bible says that the light shines and the darkness cannot comprehend it. It's okay if people don't understand you. Because the Bible already said that when light shines, darkness could not understand it. And another translation says that darkness could not put out the light. And so you should not be afraid of darkness. Because what darkness does is that darkness is oppressive. When you walk into a dark room, you feel oppressed. It's scary. But as long as there's a little light shining, as long as there's one small light shining, it gets less oppressive. Darkness cannot in itself put out light. You know, it only is only pushed further away from the light. True. But the light should not be afraid of darkness because the job of the light is to dispel the darkness. And so, if you haven't encountered the light of Christ, you need to. Because that's, you know, that's the key. That's the key to having light in your life. That's the key to being transformed. So I just want us to, um, if we know we've learned something today, I just want us to um, bow our heads. I don't know if the choir can come up and help me with a, with a song.